Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, following the truth wherever it leads, exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites, revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality, coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Carlos Cagina is our technical producer, and Ryan White is the live stream producer. Please check out my YouTube and Rumble channels, Strange Planet. Well, my guest tonight for the full two hours, no stranger to this program, and he believes that the UFO phenomenon is the empirical evidence for the existence of angels, both good and bad. In fact, he believes the sudden massive appearance of UFOs, which really began in earnest 75 years ago in June of this year, that mass appearance of UFOs in 1947 is of prophetic importance. Ali Siadatan is a documentary filmmaker, an expert in the arena of biblical prophecy. He's, he's also the creator of the production company Think Again Productions. Thinkagainproductions.com, the website and the documentary UFOs, Angels, and Gods. Ali, welcome back. How are you, my friend? Um, great. Thank you for having me, Richard. So June 1975, before Roswell, there was Kenneth Arnold, pilot businessman flying near Mount Rainier in uh, the Pacific Northwest in Washington State, looks out his cockpit window and sees these flying discs. He, uh, dis he uh, described them as kind of saucer-shaped and uh, the name stuck forevermore, flying saucers. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. What, what is the relationship between the UFO phenomena, which began in 1947, and the end of days? Um, well, yeah, I think that, that 1947, that's a very important date. Like, with hindsight, the prophets of Israel painted a picture that one day God would call uh, his people back to this promised land, and instead of certain things would happen to them. Uh, that would eventually culminate with the coming of the Messiah and the establishing of the new age of history. And these things have never happened in the recorded history of Israel. Uh, and so suddenly, you know, as the events of history that most people are familiar with, with the Holocaust and, and the birth of uh, Jewish and Christian Zionism, there, it all culminates um, in 1947, in November, when the United Nations declares um, Israel a new nation, a nation that literally didn't exist the day before and exist the next day. There's a prophecy, in fact, in the Bible that talks about this nation that is suddenly born overnight. It's in Isaiah 66. And that's 1947. It kickstarts the birth pang years, this period of history um, that is going to lead and culminate in the second coming uh, of Jesus Christ, which is uh, itself kind of a galactic event, you know, where He's called the, the, the God of Heaven's Armies. That's one of the titles of God. And so there's a whole legion of, of, of angels, you know, coming. Um, and there's, 
interesting descriptions of all of this. This is the culmination. And so the, the birth of the nation of Israel puts us into this period of history. And it just so happens that it was on this year, like you mentioned with Kenneth Arnold in 1947, where suddenly we see uh, the appearance of the UFOs. Uh, well, Kenneth Arnold, people can listen to his radio interview given around that time. Uh, to his testimony, what he sees, it's, it's, it's great detail. He measures the speed at which, you know, over a thousand miles an hour, these things are moving from peak to peak. And then on, on the strength of his testimony, because he's a very respectable man, tens of thousands of Americans come out. Um, from there, it's like a, a, an avalanche where, you know, you have the Roswell incident the next month, and then you have, um, uh, other incidences in, in, in 1948 that kind of cement the fact that, wow, we're being visited by aliens, it seems. Right, it's the right. beginning of what's called the UFO flap. And, and yeah, so I mean, people think of, okay, there was Kenneth Arnold and there was Roswell, and in 48 there was like the Aztec UFO uh, crash. But in 47, I mean, there were there were hundreds, hundreds of UFO sightings. It wasn't just Kenneth Arnold and Roswell. It was, yeah. as you say, it was like a flap. Yeah, it was, a, it was that's, that's where the word was invented, you know, the, and all these people came out uh, to say, hey, we're seeing this stuff too. I mean, Kenneth Arnold's testimony was on the front page of half of the national newspaper publications. Um, and that's what really got everyone's attention. Um, and it's as though, a sign was given on the earth that Israel was born, and a sign was given in the heavens. These things appeared. And these are kind of the beginnings of a puzzle, you know, that we need to now understand why Why is this happening at this time, and what does it really mean, you know? Uh, so right, what's the connection between the birth of the modern state of Israel and the, uh, the, the beginning of the modern-day UFO phenomena? Because, you know, people have commented before about this that in in 47 it was almost as if something opened up some portal or some opening um that 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 caused this rush of of ufos into our reality so it, it begs the question as to whether there was you know something on this side of the veil if you will that that caused yeah. this, that willed this to happen, something perhaps occult. Is there a connection between the beginning of the modern day UFO phenomenon and the occult? I think so. Um, first of all, where Kenneth Arnold saw this, uh, as it was on the Cascade Mountains in Washington State, like you mentioned, but it was, where's the Cascade Mountains? Well, there's Mount Shasta which is right there. And there's lots of very occult activity at the foot of Mount Shasta. It's, it's was a place, a sacred place for the native Americans and it continued to be a sacred place. And, and so there's, there's, it's interesting that it was around there that this happened. And before that in 1946, there's a very strange uh, character um, and kind of a genius in some ways, his name is Jack Parson. Mm. And so Jack Parson is a rocket engineer. He's many people consider him to be the, the father of the rocket age. He, he yeah. created the solid fuel 
that allowed us to send, you know, rockets uh, to the moon. Um, but self-taught, apparently. I don't. I, I think he was self-taught, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was self-taught, and he he was also an occultist, and he said that it was during the rituals that the idea came to him. Yeah, he was a devotee Where, of Aleister Crowley. But yeah, he, he he had these very nefarious connections. He was a student of Aleister Crowley, and he was also uh, lived in the same house with L. Ron Hubbard. Um, this is you know once he. He created a company where they're selling technology to the military, and he became wealthy. And he bought a mansion, and L. Ron Hubbard moved into that mansion with him. Uh -huh. Then him and Hubbard went, you know, some in Southern California to places called the Devil's Gate, and they began to perform these rituals there in 1946, like between January and March of 1946. And the this they called the the Babylon working. That was the name. Of, of their ritual, it was based on teachings of Alistair Crowley, and the purpose of it um, uh, was to the ritual was essentially designed to manifest an individual incarnation of the archetypical divine feminine cult Bab Alon. It's it was part of an occult society Thelma that they had created, and what's interesting is that the word Bab means gate. Actually, that's why you have Babylon, right? In, in, in the Mesopotamian language, Iloni means gods. Babyloni means the gateway to the gods. And so the, this is interesting that even though this was some sort of a mother goddess, or, but it, is, it has the term gate in it. And if you kind of look at uh, the, the writings of like the Necronomicon, I'm not suggesting that anyone should open that book. I really, should, I really am not suggesting it. But, you know, I'm, I'm a researcher, and so I have to look into things and to understand them. Um, you look at that, the Alistair Crowley's writings, they all hail back to the ancient Mesopotamian gods. There's tons of tons of um, songs and psalms to the Queen of Heaven and to other gods of Mesopotamia, and all kinds of symbols that he has, which are uh, gates that you open to summon these beings. Because it's interesting, this idea that Alistair Crowley, Crowley connected to the sons of God, uh, to these deities of, of ancient Mesopotamia that were, according to the Bible, bound and chained um, and, and put aside. Uh, this is the story that is you know, in the book of Enoch. This is a story that, that we see in the writings of Peter and Jude in the New Testament. And so suddenly... They're studying with this guy who has a connection to, to all of this. And then they start to perform these rituals in 1946. And boom, in 1947, we start to see the beginning of this. Um, so definitely, there was actually a, a group of Christian uh, politicians in the United States that looked into it, uh, into the beginning of the UFO phenomenon. And they came to the conclusion that these guys had opened the gate. That was their official conclusion. Right, right. It's interesting also, Jack Parsons, people are familiar with uh, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, JPL. Some speculate that JPL actually stood for Jack Parsons, not Jet mm -hmm. Propulsion. It's possible because he created that company. Yes, and then of course, he's, he's uh, killed in a fiery explosion. Yes. Uh, after he performs this ritual, yes. so, there's, he's no, he's not there anymore to 
to, uh, I mean, the second part of the ritual, I believe, is to bind, to bind whatever entity. Uh, he was trying to summon an entity. That's how he died. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory is built on the site of these experiments, of these occult experiments. It's built at, on the site of the Devil's Gate. And to this day, people say it's a hotbed of UFO activity. So it's like, wow, the, was there an occult inspiration, you know, into NASA? And because he said that these ideas came to him about the jet fuel during that ritual. Um, so there's the, the Mount Shasta where, where we see this. Uh, the first time there is the Jack Parson and his occult connection. Um, I find it interesting that the first object in space, Sputnik, uh, sent by the Soviet Union, um, I was um, looking into the date of when it was sent, and I had this idea to look it up in the Hebrew calendar, in the biblical calendar, and it fell on the Day of Atonement. It was, Sputnik was sent into space on the Day of Atonement. Now, in, in the biblical calendar, the Day of Atonement is also the Day of Judgment. It has a double meaning. The, it's the redeemed, uh, there are those who are redeemed and those who are judged. That's it, it does both. And so if you're atoned for, then you know, you're forgiven. That's, that's the judgment you receive, it's forgiveness. But if you're not atoned for, then you're judged. And so it's, it has a double meaning. So it's, it reminded me of this idea of reaching into the heavens like the story of Nimrod that brought about a judgment. There was this attempt to reach into the heavens. And Sputnik has that kind of a feeling. So even though we can look at it from just humanity's natural you know, exploration, uh, which is also part of all of this, not everyone is in the occult who's involved like in the space program, but even you look at CERN, for instance, the gate, um, uh, the particle accelerator, uh, I should say. And you look at the video of uh, when CERN was inaugurated, there's a huge amount of weird occult, you know, rituals happening at the beginning uh, of the inauguration of CERN. If, if you watch the video, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah, people dressed as um, goats and Baphomet and, and... Yeah, yeah. And then when you go in the, in CERN, there is um, little um, flags hanging from the ceiling with scriptures and Sanskrit and from the Bhagavad Gita and the and the writings of the gods and and the whole thing has the marks of the gods and we can get into that later like the Apollo mission. Um, what is this uh, new uh, treatise that Trump signed? It was it's not the Andromeda. It's uh, the Abraham Accords. No, 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 not with it. Not with the. Uh, Trump brought in a space treaty. Oh, to, yeah. The space to, force. Uh, to allow uh, all, all the nations to collaborate with the United States to further the exploration of space. Um, and it has a name. Uh, I can look it up as we're talking. It's called, it's not Andromeda. It's, um, uh, I have to look it up. It's Apollo's sister. So it's interesting that you have the Apollo missions, and then you have a sister, which has the name of this treaty, and they're both the children of Zeus. And so there, why, why, what is the significance of this, you know, Greek? Artemis? Artemis, the Artemis Accords. So you have the Artemis Accords and the Apollo missions, both children of Zeus. Um, now, who is Zeus? What, what's, why is there the handprint of these things? So there's a lot of, you know, occult associated all around this. And when you kind of consider that in the biblical view, there are three heavens. The first heaven is the sky where the birds fly. 
The second heaven is where the sun, moon, and stars exist that we call the universe. And the third heaven is the temple at the heart of time and space where the letter uh, to the book of Hebrews says that the Messiah ascended in the temple. And that is at the heart of time and space. And so there's that's called the third heaven in the Bible. That's why the word heaven is plural in the Bible, Shemaim, which means in English is translated as heavens because it's actually plural in Hebrew. So when you think that, wait a second, are we really going into space or are we reaching into the heavens, mm -hmm. into the second heaven? And that's why I'm saying this has this, you know, the, the Sputnik and the Day of Atonement, it sounds like Nimrod, you know, reaching into the heavens. Right. And it's also a day of judgment. So that hubris, that hubris, hubris of man hubris. trying to reach into, you know, God's domain. Yes. And, will, and perhaps with even, a judgment will come with a judgment. Well, perhaps because it's, it's like Jack Parsons, these gates, perhaps because behind this is ideas, knowledge and technology coming from the fallen angels because they're, they, they have, they're using it. They have their own ambition. They're preparing for the great war of angels that's ahead of us. Okay. So let's just, um, a quick summary here. So the birth of Israel, 1947, it's announced, I guess it becomes formally, it declares itself a state in 48, but the UN proclamation, if you will, comes yeah. about in 47. That parallels with the... Appearing Kenneth, of the signs in the heavens. Yes, and the Kenneth Arnold, the modern day UFO phenomenon, which, and then if we back up, the question is, was that UFO flap a result of Jack Parsons of JPL utilizing, you know, Alistair Crowley's um, gate opening rituals. Gate opening rituals that allowed these entities to come the through yeah, into the, the, our reality. Well, so when you kind of start to start because when you kind of follow the UFO phenomenon and you go, where does it lead to? Well, it leads to, uh, the research shows that it leads to alien abductions and the creation of hybrids. Okay, so let's talk specifically then about what, we've got about uh, three minutes here, two minutes. Okay. What came through that, that portal that Jack Parsons opened up? Well, what came through is known by their actions. The, like the Lord said, you'll know the fruits, uh, the tree bites fruits. So the actions is they began a massive program of creating hybrids, and that's what, the top researchers like Johnny Mack from Harvard, David Jacobs from Temple University, these guys discovered that's what's going on. And that is very important because when you kind of look at the biblical account, you go, where have we seen these Hari hybrids before? Well, it takes us to the days before the flood, to the days of the sons of God and the Nephilim. That's the biblical term for these hybrids. And it said that it would happen then and afterwards. And then when Jesus was asked to talk about the end of the age, he said it would be like the days of Noah. So, so the end of this age will be again, because you see in the Hebrew mind, all of these historical stories in the Bible, they were there because they are samples of future ages. So they are future events have been played out in small and, and they've been recorded in the Bible. And each of the historical accounts of the Bible is an age that is pregnant with, with, with the history, with the story of a future age. And so, this, when he says, oh, this was like the days of Noah, he's pulling out that chapter from the book of Genesis and saying, look, the end of this age will be like that. If you want to understand this, understand that. So 
They ushered us into this. As I'm saying, a sign was given on the earth prophetically, and it seems that a sign was given in the heavens. We entered a new age of history that Jesus calls the days of Noah. All right. All right. We're going to roll into a break here. Alicia Adetan, Think Again Productions, and we'll uh, continue to talk about the connection between the uh, 75th anniversary this year of the modern-day UFO phenomenon, its connection, its prophetic uh, importance to the uh, the second coming of Christ. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. Guys, we've seen so many people making ridiculous money from crypto. But did you know it's easy for you to do the same? The Copy My Crypto membership site shows you the coins that the YouTuber James McMahon personally holds and allows you to copy him. It's like having a big brother who knows what he's doing. You don't need to know a thing about crypto or how to invest as you simply do what he does. So let me tell you more about James. He runs the Crypto with James YouTube channel, which despite heavy censorship, has over 17,000 subscribers and 1 million views. Since March 2020, he's told his viewers to buy 26 crypto coins. Had you put in $100 into each one, it would now be worth over $53,000. Of the 26 coins, his top pick of the year, a coin called Phantom, is currently up over 440 times from when he said to buy. That one call alone has retired a number of people, including guys in their 20s and 30s. Remember, this is public knowledge. You can go to YouTube and verify this for yourself. So, if you'd like to join the 1,300 members who copy James, then stop what you're doing and head over to copymycrypto.com forward slash dollar. Copymycrypto.com forward slash dollar. That's D-O-L-L-A-R. You'll not only find proof of everything I've said, but listeners get full access for just one dollar. You can't find this offer anywhere else, but act fast because the offer ends soon. That's copymycrypto.com forward slash dollar. That's D-O-L-L-A-R. Don't take this offer lightly. He's the real deal. Go visit the site now. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. We're now crossing a zone of turbulence. Please return your seats and food trays to their upright position and make sure your carry-on luggage is safely stowed. You're about to leave everything you know behind. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Strange Planet. And we're back with Ali Siadatan, documentary filmmaker, researcher, Biblical scholar, thinkagainproductions.com, the website, and you can view his documentary, UFOs, Angels, and Gods, uh, for free. I believe there's a, a link on the website there, thinkagainproductions.com. So we were talking about the entities that came through this portal. Um, I mean, it, Jack Parsons uh, utilizing... The, uh, the rituals of Aleister Crowley. I mean, there may have been others. Would, would that be fair to say that it wasn't just Jack Parsons? It, there may have been others in other locations? Uh, yeah, of course. But it's also possible that uh, the Holy Spirit is pulling this information out for us and saying, look at this guy. Uh, you know, uh, because not a lot of people went that deep. Into, you know, how many people were into rocket uh, engineering into what led to NASA and, and into occult. And when, as I said, once I looked into Alistair Crowley's uh, writings, I was surprised 
because this was at the end of my research, that it, he actually had connected to the gods of Mesopotamia. I had no idea. I mean, I knew about him, like, you know, in, in this master of the occult, but I never looked, looked into it. Once I understood who the gods were and their Mesopotamian importance, then, then when I looked at that, I was like, whoa, this ties into the days of Noah uh, paradigm. Um, Do you think Parsons was cognizant? Impossible to know, I guess, but would he have been cognizant that what he was doing um, by opening up this portal mm-hmm. was, I guess I'm kind of jumping ahead here to getting to the motivation here, uh, that, that, that by bringing in these fallen angels through, the, through this portal into our reality, that it would help forestall, that they were attempting to forestall the, the um, you know, the, 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 the birth of the modern day state of Israel. Was, was Parsons cogniz- cognizant of that? Was he working in league with them? Or was he just saying, wow, imagine the power I could have if I could bring these entities, you know, into our reality? No, I don't, I don't think he was cognizant. But the, the idea of preventing the birth of Israel, uh, which is something, you know, the, 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 in the New Testament, you know, the enemies are called vipers. And viper is the only snake that eats the eggs of other snakes. And that's one of the marks of this enemy. It tries to nip things in the butt before they flourish. And so in order to have that, we have to roll back to the occult tradition that led to the rise of the Third Reich. Uh, with Madame Batsavista and um, all of the spiritualism that poured into Germany that really completely removed Germany from its you know, Christian traditions and took it back to the worship of the gods of old. And eventually they needed a, a guide, a focalizing human being, the Fuhrer they called him, and to bring in the vision. And, and that was what was competing with the birth of Israel, the 1,000-year Reich to compete with the 1,000-year prophesied rule of the Messiah, the, a new chosen people to compete with the people that were already chosen, and the Holocaust to stop the, the prophetic fulfillment, break the word of God, and continue the age of empire. But since that failed, then we went to phase two, and that begins in 1947. After so it's no longer about preventing the creation of Israel. It's, it's, it's about destroying it now that it has been created. Okay. We need to connect a few dots here, though, because this is all leading up to, you know, the second coming of Christ, the end of days, yeah. uh, the uh, messianic kingdom that will, you know, a thousand years. How does the Holocaust, how does the Third Reich, Hitler, the Nazis, their final solution and the Holocaust murdering six million plus Jews, how does that in any way forestall the second coming of Christ? Uh, because the prophetic vision that the prophets of Israel has, have left for us uh, paints a picture that one day on the stage of history, um, uh, the Jewish people will return to this land, Jerusalem will become again part of the commonwealth of Israel, and then all nations will gather against Jerusalem, even this a uh, final world leader will enter and claim Jerusalem. And it is when we see these events on the stage of history that the Messiah will then enter the stage of history. Essentially, the First World War um, removed the land from the hand of the Ottomans. The Second World War gave birth to the uh, state of Israel. The Third World War is the second coming of Jesus. That's kind of how the Bible sees it. And so if Israel is not in the land, then these prophecies can't be fulfilled. 
Right. And those things, sorry to interrupt, Ali, but those things, you mentioned the First World War, the Belfort Declaration, 1917, 50 years later, these things are happening on Jubilees. That's true. There's a Jubilee connection um, with Jerusalem being given back in 1967, 50 years later, and then Donald Trump recognizing in 2017 that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Um, There's definitely, you know, Jubilee is the year where inheritance is returned. Uh, perhaps on one of these jubilees we can accept the, we can expect the Lord. So the idea of Satan is to break scripture. Basically, you know, if they if these they don't come back, the land, the nation doesn't form, Jerusalem doesn't become again part of the Jewish Commonwealth and a, and a place of contention. And ultimately, the focus will be on the Temple Mount. That is the most precious piece of real estate on this planet. It is from there that the Lord is going to rule the nations. It is a very important, maybe even energy point. And so the, that's where the focus is ultimately going to be um, in order to stop all of this from happening, break scripture so that the empires of the world can continue to rule under you know, the influence of these beings. So that is kind of uh, the, the reason why uh, there was the Holocaust to, to uh, bring in the 1,000-year the Reich, God forbid, rather than the 1,000-year rule of the Jewish Messiah. Um, so that's kind of, uh, that was the purpose of that, but that failed. In fact, that became the very reason why Israel was born. And I think it's worth reading this uh, one-line prophecy. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Can a land be born in one day? Can a nation be brought forth at once. For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. So there was this idea of, you know, can a land be born one day? Can a nation be brought forth at once? These are rhetorical questions in the Bible. Of course, the answer is yes, God can do such things. And so the November United Nations Declaration overnight created a nation. In 1948, when the mandate was over and they handed the uh, land from Britain to um, Israel, overnight an independence was acquired. So we see that this prophecy was fulfilled at the time where these signs appeared in the heavens. 2,000 years later. Uh, 2,000 years later from what? From the prophecy. It was fulfilled. Yeah, yeah. this prophecy was written 2,700 years ago. Ah, 2,700 years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 66, which is a prophetic chapter. And you know what's interesting? In the writings of Josephus, the Jewish historian who documented the fall of Jerusalem, he says that all of these chariots, heavenly chariots, appeared over the city of Jerusalem uh, during the Roman War, and everyone was talking about it as a sign that was given. And I think perhaps some of the people uh, who are familiar with the scripture were hoping uh, that this verse was coming true for behold the lord will come in fire and in his chariots like the whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with the flames of fire there's a prophetic verse that says for behold the lord will come in fire and his chariots like the whirlwind to render his anger with fury so this uh, this idea that these signs appeared over jerusalem 2000 years ago perhaps they might have taken hope that this is the angels' armies come to repel the uh, Roman forces, but that was not the case. It was a time of judgment. So, but in the future, we can hope to see the fulfillment of this prophecy 
which is just a few verses down from, from the verses that mention the birth of Israel. And that's where we're headed. So the UFO phenomenon is the beginning of, of, of the manifestation more concretely of the War of Angels. Um, and, and that's why it suddenly appeared at this time where the prophetic puzzle is coming together and the reemergence of hybrids, as strange and crazy as it may sound, ties into a pattern that takes us to the Goliaths or, or Og and Sion, the kings uh, that were in the Holy Land, uh, uh, Gilgamesh, uh, King Minos, uh, all of these creatures that we thought were mythology, like, like Hercules, um, these champions of old. Uh, the, suddenly, the modern-day UFO phenomenon and the creation of modern-day hybrids, documented by Ivy League professors, brings all of these biblical tales out of the realm of myth into history. So in 47, it's the beginning of... Well, as it was in the days of Noah, or if you go back to Genesis uh, 6, and of course the, the uh, fallen angels who uh, arrive at Mount Hermon uh, and then take the daughters of men, either by marriage or by force, and um, their offspring, of course, are the, uh, the Nephilim, the giants, the men of renown. All right, we will uh, take another time out. Ali Siadatan stays with us. Think Again Productions. UFOs, Angels, and Gods is the documentary. You can see it for free. And uh, we'll come back and again discuss the connection between the modern-day UFO phenomenon, 75 years on, and its prophetic importance and its connection to the end of days and the arrival of the second or the second uh, coming of Christ. Uh, back with more of our conversation in just a few moments. Don't go away. Call it the miracle molecule, carbon 60 or C60 for my good friends at C60evo.com. And I take a tablespoon every morning. It delivers more than 172 times the power of vitamin C. C60 is a known antiviral, antioxidant, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory. It's a remedy that works. C60 Evo users consistently enjoy better sleep and wake up feeling refreshed. This alone is worth the cost of the bottle. I sleep like a baby, I have no aches or pains, zero. I'm 58 and I don't have a gray hair on my head. Get your miracle in a bottle, C60 from c60evo.com slash richard hyphen c60evo.com slash richard hyphen Use the coupon code EVRS at checkout and save an additional 10%. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you have a medical concern, please contact your healthcare provider. The truth will set you free. 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 But first, it will really tick you off. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. We're back with Ali Siadatan, Think Again Productions. And again, thinkagainproductions.com, the website. Scroll down to the bottom and uh, you can click on Donate and help Ali out for all of his uh, great work and his research. And you get to watch the documentary for free. So uh, all donations are certainly welcome. Thinkagainproductions.com. Uh, can we talk about angels in the Bible? Yes. So the angels in the Bible, um, they are very different from the way that we culturally have come to know about angels. We've come to know about angels from the paintings, basically, 
of Renaissance masters who just took human beings and stuck feather wings on them or created for us little cherubs. And this, uh, you know, funny vision is carried through cinema. And that's how we kind of understand angels. But actually, in the Bible, angels are, first of all, terrific beings. Often prophets like Daniel and John, they faint at the presence of angels. Their presence involves metal, like bronze and things like that. Um, and um, they're physical beings, like the ones that eat with Abraham, or the angel who removes the tomb of Christ and sits on it. And we are to understand that. And what's even more interesting for our conversation is that they travel in what the Bible calls vehicles. And I'll read you one verse from uh, the book of Psalms. The chariots of God are twice 10,000, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Sinai is, is now is in the sanctuary. So the chariots of God, what's that in Hebrew? Well, it's Rechev Elohim. And the word Rechev means something you ride. That's what it means. Like when they created the uh, modern trains in Israel, they didn't have a word for it, so they had to go and look in the Bible and find a word, and that's the word they used for train, rikvat. It just means a series of these things you write, stuck together, wagons. So it means, now the reason it was translated as chariot instead of vehicle, because that's what it really means, is because until to the modern era, there was nothing else, no other vehicle but a chariot. So the translator was like, okay, this is called a chariot. And Elijah is taken up in a chariot of fire, um, uh, and the word esh means fire, rechev esh, but you know, what comes from fire is light, and horses of fire, chariot of fire, horse of fire, and a lot of times when you look at the authentic videos of modern UFO phenomena, you literally see orbs of light, so you know, the fire emanates light, and so perhaps what I, uh, Elijah saw was also a light emanating, you know, heavenly craft that took the prophet Elijah up into the heavens. And the word um, here that is translated for us as Elohim can also mean angels. And so this is this is the chariot of angels, and there's thousands of them at Sinai, and God is in the midst of them, and, and Elijah is taken up in one, Enoch is taken up, and the Lord is you know enters this cloud, and yes, it is the presence of God, the glory. But we also see him prophetically in the book of Daniel arrive to the ancient of days, to God in a cloud. Why would we have to be carried? What is this thing that he rides there? You know, when we think of UFOs, we kind of immediately superimpose 20th century human technology. We don't really know what the inside looks like. But now we're understanding that the Bible actually talks about something. And we are seeing these things around us and that's why i'm saying this is the empirical evidence of the angelic reality right and these the again our our romantic um idea of of angels as you say cupids and and winged uh creatures that are maybe somewhat ethereal or they're more spirit than physical no they are spirits but they're also physical these are two categories right. the spirits right, are they, called shidin but but they 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 traveled in craft, vehicles. They weren't flying around. They weren't just appearing. They're not omniscient. They need to get from point A to point B, and they used, can I call them physical vehicles? Uh, yeah, you can, because they're physical beings. Now, we, we only know what we see because the first and second heavens are shadows of the third heaven. Once these things leave the earth, we don't know 
where they go and how they get there. Maybe like Einstein, you know, theorized E, e equals MC2, that if you took something and you propelled it at the, uh, at the speed of light squared, it would turn into energy. And so we don't know, you know, how is it that they go where they go? Uh, these are all mysteries and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. So far what we, are, what we know is, wow, you know, these things are around us and they're also mentioned in the Bible. So now they kind of make the, the stories of these things in the Bible less mythological. And now the Bible in turn identifies who they are, what's going on. I guess we've sort of, we've talked about why we think why we don't think of angels in this way because it's just kind of a cultural thing right that that we think of angels from the renaissance paintings and so forth we think of them as omniscient uh we think of them as more spirit than flesh and bone um yeah. the the whole idea of a of, of the spiritualization of angels um goes perhaps back to the um, Hellenization of uh, Christianity, which was originally a Hebrew faith. Um, in, the, in the Bible, angels slay Assyrians, um, and uh, they sit on the you know, tomb. The book of Hebrews says you, you should entertain strangers, you know, because some have be hospitable, because some have met angels unawares by being hospitable. And so once we kind of spiritualized the Bible, meaning that we turned all the characters of the Bible into non-physical beings, because in the school of Gnosticism, it was believed that the highest form of spirituality is non-physical. So even though Jesus came back from the dead and he said, look at me, I'm not a ghost, I'm not a spirit, I have flesh and bone, touch me. He said, I have flesh and bone. Um, and then he asked for food. So the most spiritual character of the Bible, the resurrected Christ, the resurrected Messiah, is a physical being. Um, yet, once he ascends, the, early on the church begins to imagine him as though he became a spirit. But there's already a spirit version of God, which is called the Holy Spirit. He is the son of King David, and that's why he inherits the throne of David and rules he's not done with the physical world. That's why he, he, he resurrected in right. the physical world. Right. If angels weren't flesh and bone, if they weren't physical, they couldn't have procreated with, with women. That's true. And, and, and then some people feel, oh, these angels you know, took that shape or they, they just kind of for a moment you know, become human as though it's so easy just to take on like this clothing. Like, like, so the church begins to imagine how to marry its spiritualized concept and the physical reality of angels in the Bible in the biblical text. And it comes up with a solution that for a moment they take human form. That's not in the Bible. That's just an idea. It's a gap idea, you know. But if you stick with the Bible, they, they are presented as physical beings. Job has his daughters, uh, not Job, uh, sorry, um, Lot has his daughters um, and um, and his wife in the city of Sodom. And when they come to, the angels come to warn him of the destruction of Sodom, the men of Sodom seek to have sexual relations with them because Sodom was a place where such things were happening. That's why it was destroyed. It, it was a place where, you know, the sexual relations with the angels was happening. So it's, I know it's very strange some of the conversations we're having, but just to pull out the nature of the, of the angelic world and the nature of the universe 
is very different than the cultural notion of it in the Bible. We are in the heavens and on the earth. We're not in the universe in the secular scientific way of thinking about it. There are three heavens. The universe is the second heaven. The earth is, is the earth, but the sky is the first heaven. And the temple at the heart of time and space is the third heaven. And these a heavenly craft, that's what David Flynn used to call them. He was a researcher who passed away, but a really good researcher. He used to call it heavenly craft. They, they come and go in these heavenly crafts between the realms. And, and what shape they have outside of the one we know, we don't know. But the fallen angels are, are also, uh, you know, referred to as having bodies of light. And I think that the angels also have bodies of light. That's why the Lord transfigured to show the next prototype of where we're headed. But they still uh, have substance. They're part of the created order. They have to follow the rules of, of, of God's creation like us. They're not above it. They're not creatures of magic. Like in the book of Enoch, the angels, the fallen angels, the sons of God, they give knowledge that we would essentially call science today. You know, pharmakeia, uh, the building of armament, um, all kinds of the, the understanding of the motion of the moon, like astronomy, astrophysics. These are the fact that we are able to cut the atom and decipher DNA and send rockets into the heavens is because we are of the world of God and angels. And we are naturally trafficking in the same kind of high-end knowledge that they have. Is there a, a physical difference between, let's say, a good angel and a fallen angel? Can you tell them apart? Uh, it says we are told to test every spirit. Um, it's you know I can only. Sorry, Siri was uh, talking to me there. Sorry about that. Um, the you know, series mostly listening, but sometimes talks as well. But the the thing is, often we see these characters presented in a reptilian form, like in ancient art. We see the fallen angels cre presented with like snake legs and bodies. And when we look at the modern day abduction phenomenon, we, we have these characters that have very long foreheads and black eyes, and they're very tall. They're still anthropomorphic. They have two legs and two hands, and we were made in the image of God. And, and perhaps, you know, the, the world of angels is, is kind of anthropomorphic. But um, they are called Lizardians, these, these guys, these, uh, these tall characters. So, so maybe, maybe the fallen angels don't exactly look human like we do. The, right. I mean, they were just, they were just, they were angels who rebelled, right? They were cast out. So why would they necessarily look any different than in, than than any of the other angels? Well, you know, yeah. I mean, the the, the Satan's called a dragon. Um, is is that because that is actually giving us insight? You know, he's also compared uh, called a serpent. The word Nachash uh, in in the Book of Genesis means serpent, but also means shining one, um, because you know these guys are luminous, and so um, and it's interesting how. Um, the research converges everyone you know I, these are this is all the things i discovered between 1996 and 2001 and i've seen people literally repeat the same ideas about what these words mean so i really think god is kind of bringing people to the same conclusions um and we're understanding the reality of these things yet there is a huge amount of mystery so we don't want to kind of think that we're nailing it and we figured it all out while we're figuring out is okay this phenomenon that just appeared over our heads god is opening a veil 
in and opening increasing knowledge and saying look in the bible this is the nature of the angelic reality they do come and go i come with them um you know there's the word rekev for angels but god has a merkeva that is that is something god writes and ezekiel gets a vision of it he sees one he sees what god writes and has a kind of a crystal uh you know plateau on it there's a throne that god sits on and underneath this plateau there are four angels that are called cherubim and they're very elaborate beings i mean they're they're, they're incredibly glorious beings their facial structure is elaborate the number of wings they have are elaborate but these are not bird-like wings they put them up and when they move them when they put them down when they sit and next to each one of these angels there's two wheels intertwined with each other one that moves left and right one that one that moves east west one that moves north south so that that's how the wheels are okay i gotta jump in here pardon the interruption part two of our conversation on ufo disclosure and the second coming of christ will drop on wednesday a new richard Serrett's strange planet drops every monday wednesday and friday subscribe at strangeplanetpodcast.com